We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime, Tommy Avance, coming off a ginormously horrible, saddening, depressing 45-6 loss on Monday Night Football to the Baltimore Ravens. It was brutal. It was horrible. It was, in many cases, demoralizing. But yet, yet, there is hope. And we'll talk about that at some point today. Tommy, how you doing, man? 
I'm good. I just was interested in uh, that last sentence you said with the there's hope. I, I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, there is. There is hope. I'm just kidding. I mean, <laughs> did you say hope or hope? Hope. I was there, so there was just me. After the, the opening drive when I believe we went three and out, because I did get in there before kickoff. We've made a conscious effort to shut down the tailgate earlier and get in there to support the team you know, right off the bat and make sure that that first quarter narrative starts to go away with people taking pictures of the crowd being empty in the first quarter. It's because people are still outside trying to get into that monstrosity. The gates are not that great. So we got in there early. As soon as they went three and out, um, and the Ravens got the ball and just drove down at will and the body language of the defense, I knew that game was over before it even started, to be honest with you. That was the worst part about it for me um, being there. So it was rough. I didn't view the game as being over. I thought, okay, this is the NFL. These things happen. I thought they were in deep trouble after the second drive. They got down 14 nothing because that was two straight drives where the Rams did very little offensively, and then the the defense just they couldn't stop anything they were offering. There were so many different things that we talked about last week, and that's the most frustrating part. I don't mind – well, I do mind. Let me rephrase that. I can understand losing to the Ravens. That's a heck of a football team. I think after watching, especially close up a couple times this year, I think right now they are the best team in the league. I'm not even sure it's close, but I'm looking at this and going, you have the personnel. That's the part that bothers me. The Rams have the personnel to beat the Ravens. They do. They, but they do. They, they do. do. And defensively, the speed on in the back there, they should have done better. And it almost makes me feel like a fool having talked about that last week on the show and, and even when you and I talked about it, just... Seriously, like you know what this team is capable of. You have enough film out there. You've you've watched enough games just live. You've you've seen you've seen at their worst. And what it reminded me of in a lot of ways was the Tampa Bay game because in the Tampa Bay game they couldn't stop me either. In both games, in my view, they just didn't come to play. They weren't prepared. They they weren't prepared mentally. They weren't prepared schematically. They weren't prepared. Period. And it blows it, it blows my mind, Tommy, because how can you not come prepared? It's Monday night football, your season's on the line, you're at home, your fans are pumped up, I know you were, your fans are pumped up, and you're playing one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team. It's the biggest test for you. And from kickoff, it was it was men versus boys. Yeah, and what I saw from the players was... No guts. No. It looked like they didn't want to show up to work that day. You know when you wake up in the morning and you're like, man, I really don't feel like going to work today. Should I call in sick? Should I? How should I handle this? Well, in those situations, you know, they really kind of can't um, unless they're really sick, so to speak. Um, they just looked like they weren't interested in being there that day. And and the, everyone saw it. The fans saw it. And after after the first quarter... Like, we all stopped when, you know, it's third down and everyone gets up and start. We, we were like, nope, we're out. We're out. Because we saw that the team wasn't interested in fighting, so we ain't fighting with you. And we're going to sit down on our hands. And that's what we did. 
I did not get up and yell after probably, I would say maybe mid mid second quarter is when we, you know, I, you know, it's third down and angels getting up and still waving her towel and yelling. And I'm like, she's like, you're going to get up. I'm all, no, they're not ready to, or they're not willing to fight for me today. I'm not willing to fight for them. Cause that's exactly what I saw. I didn't see one player on that defense screaming and grabbing another player's face mask and getting in their face. I didn't see no, no guts. I saw a bunch of guys out there that with their shoulders down and just didn't look interested at all whatsoever. I mean, we all know the offense has its issues. They're not going to score 40 points a game, not right now. Um, and so the defense has had to pick up more of the slack. It just looked like to me that they did the same thing the Jacksonville Jaguars did last year when they had enough of Blake Bortles being their starting quarterback when they were basically the best defense in the NFL the year before. They came back last year with the same players pretty much. And so how do you go from, you know, first to worse? You shut it down. You know, if it's not, if you don't change players, how, how do you how do you go backwards? Right. Usually it's it's an effort thing. It's an attitude thing. It's a, I don't want to be here thing, um, because why should I work so hard when the offense is only going to score six points? You know, it's like it's basically like they were protesting, like we've had enough of you, Sean and Jared. Get it together, man. You're killing me. And they and they they just let the game get away from them. And it looked to me like they did it on purpose. That's a pretty strong thing. I said that they did it on purpose. I Listen, dude, we're all human beings, and I'm telling you, man, I play, I played with people that are, you know, people be like, you know what, man, I'm out. I've seen, I've seen guys, I'm going to the sideline, and they'll go get their backup. Hey, get in there, man, I'm done with this. Do people get emotional out there because you're out there killing yourself week in and week out trying to win the game because your offense can't score any points, you know? It's exhausting, and, and Aaron Donald had to do that for the first however many years in his career because Jeff Fisher was his damn coach. So they were they couldn't score any points because their offense stunk. And then he get, they get Sean McVay, they could drop forty, and he's like, "Oh man, we could, you know, we're not, we don't have to carry the team anymore." And then two years later, here we are, and they're carrying the team again. And and they're just like, "Dude, they're over it." Aaron Donald working his butt off, and you see him out there, dude. He his body language was. He's a very emotional guy like Todd Gurley. You saw him when they first moved back to L.A. and they were getting smoked by the Niners on that Monday night football game, mm-hmm. 28-0. He slammed his helmet, got ejected. That's because he gets up at the butt crack of dawn an hour before anybody else and starts getting it. And when the people aren't around him are doing that, he's like, man, I'm done with you guys. I'm done with you. You know, you can see it. They're pissed, dude. And and the only way to create change in the test, just to shut it down. And that's what it looked like to me. People can argue with me all they want, but that's the way I see it. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I think when you are demoralized to a certain degree, like you're saying, especially the guys who are more emotional, that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. But on the same token, you're also professional football players. You need need to lock in and do your job. They don't care about that noise, dude. They don't care. The fans may say that, but the the players, they're like, man, shut up, dude. You ain't here. You don't know what we're dealing with. You know, we can... Again, that's that's not even fair because... There are it's people not. who are working every day, busting their bus to put food in the table for somebody, and they're out there still playing a game, making million dollars, millions of dollars doing it. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to hear, well, they didn't, they didn't do the job, so I'm mad. No, nah, man, it doesn't matter. Those people, nobody, who are no, no, nobody wants to hear that, but reality is what it is. It is what know? it is, sure. But, but I'm just making the point is, saying, I know how hard you work. You know how hard I work. Okay, if I'm putting the money down. To come see you play, that's a reason to play. Because you have 60,000, 70,000 people there to watch you perform because they believe in you. 
Yeah, and then I, to piggyback off of that, let, there's people on social media that say we don't matter. Why are you gonna? Why are you gonna boo or why are you gonna do this? It's not gonna make a difference. We don't matter. I'm sorry to tell you, idiots out there. No offense, but this really pissed me off this week. Without the fans, the league doesn't exist. So. Take, get off your high horse and stop saying none of us matter because we pay their bills, okay? Without us, no league, okay? Without the fans, if no one's watching on TV, there's no TV revenue, you go away. It's, it's a consumer-type business. Without us, there's no you. So we absolutely matter. I'm done. And they do. We matter. And you know, without us, what paycheck you getting, man? Where are you getting your money from? Where are the owners getting their money from? They're getting the money from us. And mm-hmm. that's it's and don't think for a minute, as I'm saying that, that I'm I'm shaming somebody for being rich, by the way. I, I I'm not one of these guys that's like, hey, you're rich, you're a jerk. No, what I'm saying is is we <laughs> our money's making you folks rich. You folks being all these players, all these owners, you're getting rich off my dollar bill, mile hard labor, so at least put on a show. Work hard. If you lose, you lose, but work hard. That's the. If we would have lost forty-five to twenty-eight, I wouldn't have even been upset. I wouldn't have because I would have said they, they, it would have showed me that they were fighting, you know. But and just they, they showed that, they showed nothing. And just to add to that, Tommy, if they had been if they had lost forty-five to ten, but fought all the way through and just got beat, it would suck. I'd be unhappy, but I can be okay with it. I can accept because we saw a lot of those old games. A lot of those Rams games of 45-10, 41-10, 41-17, where they just didn't have the talent, but they bust their butt and they still got hammered by the 49ers or somebody. We've, yeah, we've they're, 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 they're still hitting in the fourth quarter when there's no, yeah. there's, no, there's no way to win the game, and you're still out there whacking people, saying, well, you may have won the game, but you're going to feel it tomorrow. I mean, it's That's so, the kind of football you play. You don't mm-hmm. play. I never – listen, you always want to win. I didn't play to win. I played for me to be great and contribute to my team however I could. If you if you worry about yourself, if everybody just worries about themselves, you can be great as a cohesive unit. But I didn't I didn't we didn't win them all, you know, we lost a lot of games. It, I didn't care. I, I loved the game. Win, lose, or draw. We lost by forty or we won by forty. You know, I didn't like losing, but man, I still had fun. I still enjoyed being out there with my teammates and having a great time. You know, at the end of when we would get blown out or, be, you know, a couple of times, I, the guys would be all upset. I'm like, dude, who cares, man? Did you have fun today? Other than getting our butts kicked? They're like, yeah, I'm like, then just let it go, man. Wash it off. It's not a big deal. And you can let it go if they they laid in the line for you. If you, it's so weird because people talk about, well, fans are fa- short for fanatic. You're not the one playing the game, but it's not how it works. When you are a fan of a team, if you, even for us as we cover this team and, we, and we've, Spent so much time looking at film and reading up on uh, scout reports and everything that comes with these guys. It's more than just, well, you're a fan. You're a fan. You, you like the Rams. It's You're part of it one way or the other. I yeah. mean, let me ask you this question, Tommy. How much money have you spent this year on Rams merchandise? Oh, this year? This year. I'm, ca- I'm talking calendar <sighs> 2019. Not a lot, to be honest with you. I have oh. accumulated so much stuff over the years that I don't really. I mean, a couple hats, maybe. I don't know, maybe, you, maybe two hundred bucks. Forgetting something though, dude. You're forgetting what? something. Certain what? PSL. How much you pay on that? You said you said merch. You didn't say. Yeah, yeah. Say. I, I, that's why I stepped in and asked. Okay, so my PSLs are five thousand per chair. I have three, and the tickets 
for all three of my seats every year are thirty four hundred dollars total. Okay. Okay. So fifteen, it's eighteen thousand dollars, and then thirty four every year afterwards. Yep. Okay. Jeez, um, let's think here. I am not out there, unfortunately. So me being here in Ohio, merchandise two games this year as well to Pittsburgh and Cleveland. I'd say easily, easily six six hundred bucks or more. And I'm probably underestimating all those fans. Yeah, my tickets this year at the Coliseum were twenty two hundred dollars. You know. Yeah, yeah. So for two, and, for two seats. And if I'm out there, I'm I'm showing that money out too. So I don't want to hear how unimportant the fans are, folks. And that's why this episode today is about you, the fans. We're not going to sit here and go into Tommy and Derek theories without actually getting a question from you. And we got a ton of them. All right. We're going to answer your questions. We're going to shout you out on Twitter. It's a day for you to get your vents out, to get your questions out, and hopefully we can provide a good answer for you. I know that I was excited about this idea today. We've done Q&As before, but we've never sat there and just made it solely a fan-centered discussion. Okay, we're taking straight your questions, and we're going to focus on you. We're not going to get into everything we want to talk about. We're going to talk to you, okay? Before we do, we want to let you know that we're sponsored by Jim Hawkins' and his book, Hollywood's Team. We also want to remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. But for Apple Music, we really could use some help there. What I mean is that five-star review. Help us go up the charts, help draw us some more listeners. We'd really appreciate that. This is how you do it. You go, to, you go over to Apple Music, you find our podcast, leave a review. Then, here's the fun part. Take a screenshot of your entry, email it to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com with that copy, and that will enter you into a contest where you, that's right, you can get yourself a nice Rams personalized jersey from nflshop.com. All right? So don't forget our other shows in network. That includes Rams Uncensored. They're back. Got lots of good feedback on your show, by the way. Butting Heads, Rampage Radio, we're all here. Come check us out every week. All right? Finally, we want to shout out our sponsor, my bookie. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you can t- choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and get in the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, Parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. Best of all, if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you were to deposit $2,000, you can get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. If you're looking a little low stakes, put $100, they'll give you $50. You'll be good to go with some free money. Just use the promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to activate this offer. Once again, that's promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Tommy, so a stressful weekend, and we have a lot of things to say. Before I get into these questions, I want to lock in one little thing. Somebody was a little hostile towards us on social media about our evaluation of Goff. And I want to tell you right now, next Wednesday's show is going to be A, previewing the Seahawks, but B, the whole rest of the show is going to be Tommy and I 
breaking down Jared Goff. We're going to go through tons of film over the next week. We're going to look at everything he does, and we're going to give you a full, I guess we would say, scouting report on what's going on, what is his, what are his strengths, where is he improved, where is he struggling. We're going to tell you all about it. That's our devoted podcast next midweek, and we're going to break it all down because I think it's really important to understand where he is and hopefully I'll answer some questions about where he can go. Got that? In the meantime, we've had some folks questioning how we evaluate Goff, how we can give Goff a hard time, how we can say that he isn't looking at as much film as possible, and that's because we look at film. We do. And you can't minimize that. Don't tell us we're falling victim to a media narrative or something like that, because we're not. We work hard here. Tommy's, Tommy, you're doing how many shows a week now? Two. Two? Sometimes yeah. even more? Okay, Sometimes different shows more, yeah. with different styles? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I and I get inv- and I get invited on other people's podcasts as well for our opponents and stuff like that too. So yeah, quite a bit. And same for me. I'm on at least two, if not more, for the Rams. And then we have guest appearances for me. So we're busy. All we eat, drink, sleep Rams, and we'll never be perfect in terms of evaluation. But we put the time in, and we would expect you at least hear us out before you assume we're just following some narrative. All right, there we go. I, no, we never follow the national media. We are not a fan of the the blanket uh, reporting. We're we're going to dive a little bit deeper in, in what we what we're going to do is dive in more of the the psyche of the players, and we're going to start with Jared Goff. So you'll get a different type of report from us than you normally would from the guy scouting online um, and on NFL Network and stuff like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you some stuff maybe they're not looking at. And that comes from your coaching, your your playing background, and just you know, in terms of what you and just and just human about. behavior, observing human behavior too. All of that is it's super important to understand where a person is mentally um, at any point in their life, and you can see that stuff, especially on film. You can see people's behavior, the way they carry themselves, all that stuff, and we'll and we'll take a look at that. And I'm going to stress with that. This is, that's not saying we're attacking the media by saying we're not following me. We're just going to. <laughs> We believe enough in what we know here and what we can do here to, to go ahead and provide our own analysis. We don't need anybody else to tell us what to do. Yeah, there's right. 10 people online saying you know, the, the same thing 10 times. Where, where I'm not interested in providing an 11th of the same analysis, guys. It's only really interesting when they have the evidence to back them up. And I, There was a couple articles last week that had different things to say about Jared Goff that didn't make a whole lot of sense because you, he actually just provided stats but no film with it, nothing to show because – Stats are evidence, don't get me wrong, but nothing replaces the film that goes with it because those stats can be inflated, they can be deflated. There's a lot of factors that go into stats. And in order for you to really understand it, you got you got to pair them together. you got to see what's going on. And that's the importance of film work. Okay, first question. Here we go. This is from Jeff Davis at JD SoCal on Twitter. He asks, after having to prepare for Lamar Jackson and now having played him, is the preparation similar to now playing Kyler Murray and the Cardinals this Sunday. Absolutely. It is. And I'm just hoping that preparation or not, that they show up with a better attitude. But yes, absolutely, 100%. They, you need to scheme for mobile quarterbacks, period. You scheme for pocket passers, you scheme for mobile quarterbacks. There's two There's two ways to handle both of them. The Ram, This is what frustrates me about the Ravens game. The Rams play Russell Wilson twice a year. And yeah, is he as good an athlete as Lamar Jackson? Probably not. But 
is he mobile? Is he great? Is he probably the best quarterback in the league? Yes. And he'll tell you right now, he hates playing the Rams the worst because of our defensive line and Aaron Donald. And they just get after him and they corral him and he'll roll out one way. And the, the defense finds a way to keep him from running out of the pocket a lot of times. Um, so to see what we saw with the Ravens, I just saw a lack of effort because I'm like, if they could stop Russell Wilson, they could stop Kyler Murray. They could stop Lamar Jackson. They could stop any of them. They stopped, uh, Patrick Mahomes last year from running around. Yeah, he slung the ball all over the place, but he wasn't running around a lot. He wasn't, you know, they corralled him enough to where they forced him to be a a pocket passer, you know. So it just, it's an effort thing for me. Well, I think it's more than just the effort, though. They they didn't come out really schematically clean at all. No, they ran ran zone, bro. You don't run zone against a running team. That's stupid. Yeah, period. And the Rams aren't a good zone team, period. That's why they, the, that's the why zone, Peters got traded. Yeah, the zone is well. No, if you're going to run zone, you got to run zone holistically, not hybrid like they did with Marcus mm-hmm. Peters. And and they they get rid of Marcus and bring in a man corner. And then what do they do? They go run zone. Dude, you got to be kidding me, man! You got to be kidding yeah, me. If you're going to run zone while they're running the football, that means your guys are going to be in a spot instead of going to a spot. <laughs> they're going to they're going to be in a covered spot. It could be. Middle of the field, it could be over off to the right, five yards off the passing line, but it's this spot you're assigned. But then you're waiting for a guy, at least on the first two steps, to run to you on a running play. That's not, that's, yeah, that's stupid. That's why man to man was so it's, important, right? It's, hor- it's horrible, dude, because the zone, you're being forced to stay in a cage, right? You have an area of the field that you're supposed to defend, and you have to stay in that cage. That's your, you can't abandon it. That's not how it works. And it just it leaves it gives quarter good quarterbacks opportunities to carve you up because no one's covering the receivers. They're running wide open. That's why Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt used to char. They used to um dude. They were the best at carving up zone defenses. They would just run twenty five yard deep digs all day. <laughs> it was like taking candy from a baby, dude. I mean, the Rams have a long-standing history of being crappy against the zone. We're talking all the way back in the Fisher days. If, I don't know if it's a franchise thing, if it's a mentality or what, but they're just not a zone team. They're never going to be a zone team unless they commit to a full defense that uses it. But the zone, to me, isn't really effective anymore because quarterbacks, are they're stronger-armed. They're more accurate than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. And they'll call, they're gonna, you'll, get, you'll get carved up, dude. It's, I mean, I, I've never liked it. You play zone, basically this point, to ball hawk, and you're going to do it to knowing you're going to give up yards. Well, you play yeah. a team like Baltimore when they're so good at running the football and they're so physical, you need to be able to pursue straight. And so schematically they were a mess, and what makes it worse to me is they didn't move in that mess whole game. They just said, okay, we're going to stay there. No. Yeah. You, you, the Rams' offense at a time was good enough to come back from that halftime deficit. And they have enough pieces there. If they decided, you know, if they finally found their, you know, what's um, their heads, they can still come back in that game. But you go into halftime, you don't make that adjustment, and you're basically just saying, okay, we've we've committed to this loss, and that's not that's not a that's not NFL football, man. That's not NFL football at all. Yeah, the, the, this loss upset me on an effort, but it didn't upset me because. At the beginning of the season, I had the Rams going twelve and four and losing to the Ravens um, on Monday night. So that was one of my lost picks. 
the reason I'm upset is because the games I picked to win, like the Bucks and the Steelers, we did not. So that made Monday night's loss a must win. And now that's what was frustrating about it. The thing with the Cardinals, though, wrapping back to the question, because that's what we're here for, is that... Hey, let's get that. We're going off on a tangent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let, let, okay. We're going back to Yeah, he, he, he asked one question and it was a yes yeah. or no <laughs> answer. And we spend the last 30 minutes. We It's like both of us have ADD. Jesus. Yeah, we, we, well, we had a lot to say, but... Is yeah. To bring it back to center in terms of where we're going with the Cardinals, you, you're you going to have a similar game plan in terms of how you stop him. But if you're going to go out there and play zone against him again, you're it's, done. it's going to fail again. So they need to be a man. They need to be pursuing. There was a lot of missed tackles in this game. So they need to play up to their potential, really. That's all they need to do. Coming into this game against the Ravens, the Rams were fourth. Fourth against the Rush with 89 89.4 or was it 88.9? It was right there. Yards rushing allowed per game. Now they're 16th in yards per game allowed. That game destroyed them. And against the rush, you know, the, the feeling is from some people I've talked to is they were overrated all along. Well, let's find out. Let's see what the, because the Cardinals can run the football now too. You got to get in there and play man. There's, there's the answer to the question. Next question. From Vernon L. at STL underscore Maine. Dream scenario. What quarterback could we get in a golf girly package trade? Man, you really want me to answer this? Oh, people are going to get so pissed. Well, I'm going to go with the PG version. Let me answer it first, okay? Because um, I already knew what your thought was. I would say given the fact that Goff and Gurley are signed to big money deals carrying lots of dead money, you're not going to find a trade partner right now. There's too many questions about both players, fair or unfair. And even if you even if you wanted to trade them, you're not going to get somebody. And so if, if I'm just going to go out there just for giggles and say what dream scenario could you get a quarterback, what quarterback would be available with a running back and a, a quarterback involved in the number one pick? Dream scenario. Yeah, I'm not. You have one? I'm not trading Todd Gurley. Um, number one. Well, I'm just saying if you could. Yeah, yeah, if you could. Um, if, um, he, if he's tradable, but really, he's not. I mean, they're not. The contract's really not movable right now. Um, I'm not. I don't think it's. I don't think I should say what I want to say right now. I think the fans are going to crucify me, but I, I think I'm right. <laughs> but. I don't know if I just say it. I, I would say. I said. I said. It, I, I said it in a group DM this morning, and a lot of people agreed with me actually. But a lot of those people also see what I see on Jared Goff. So, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Let's just say that because everyone wants to sit here and say, "How could you possibly trade him? Who would possibly take that contract? Who would?" Po-? Man, there's 32 teams in the NFL, and there's always a handful of them that'll take your trash. They do it all the time. The Cowboys yeah. took Taylon Austin. Uh, the Giants took Alec Ogletree. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Everyone thinks they could fix somebody. So don't say no one could, well, no one would take them. That's well, not true. I'm talking money-wise. That's a I don't care about the money. I don't, I don't care about the money, dude. I mean, the contract. Yeah, the, 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 the salary cap goes up $12 friendly. million dollars every year. It goes up twelve million dollars every year. That means the contract gets friendlier every year. It's, but it's, well, not it's every year. Depends on it's, it's front loaded or back loaded. In in Goff's case, it's it's front loaded. So if they can find a way to turn him around by the end of his contract, he's worth the money. I would say if there's a quarterback out there right now that I could invest in 
and find a team needy of both Goff and Gurley. I would roll with... Are we being uh, like Santa Claus and Tooth Fairy-ish right now or realistic? I'm just curious. He said dream scenario. He said that sounds like Santa Claus to me. So, he, if I'm okay, a, I'll take Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking the team... I'll, I'll take Lamar Jackson. I'll take any of those mobile quarterbacks because these statues nowadays aren't working. I would say I'd say Russell Wilson. Well, yeah. If I'm going for a Super Bowl, I'll go Russell Wilson. And of course. Hey, they happen to, you know, they have running backs out in Seattle, but they could probably use Todd. I would Lamar Jackson to me is amazing. I think, I think the if you could compare Lamar Jackson and Jared Goff, there's a lot you can talk about. And I'm going to go on one main point with that, and that is with Jared Goff. This is his fourth. Yeah, we're getting year. off. We're going no, off. Not, on the I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not. I'm making one statement. That's it. This is his fourth year, and this is where he is. And then you look at Lamar Jackson, who spent one summer, one off season, putting in hardcore work, and look what's happened with him. And that really makes that really brings some things to mind. Okay, uh, you're, next only, you're only you're only as good as you want to be, dude. It's that simple. Mostly, mostly. These um, guys got there for a reason. They're talented. They did, so but they did. You're but, only as good as you want to be. When you go from seven thousand to the fifteen hundred elite, you're going to get exposed, son. You are only as good as you want to be to a large degree, but you're still a team. So if you have, say, and I know you're going to, be, you're going to start coming the rolling eyes thing, but let's say offensive line is struggling to protect you. Okay, that's going to be a factor. I'm not saying it's, it's, the, re, I'm not saying it's the only reason, though. It's going to be a factor if there's a, a lack of serious progress or if there's even some regression. It's a factor. It's not the cause. What do you do about that? What do you do about it? In terms of what? Not personnel, but how do you circumvent? That's the the problem with the Rams is they're not they're not circumventing. How do you circumvent? You mean how do you get around that? They're doing like Mike Martz. Oh, my offensive line stinks. Seven step drop. Yeah, they are. And stupid, 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 stupid. In that case, I no you you know what I'd suggest because I've already said it. I've said multiple times this year, and I'd say go back, revert to what we saw last year from the Seahawks. Seahawks just went to a hardcore run game because their pass blocking was so awful that they focused on what they could do. And off of that, while it wasn't Russell Wilson's best year, his numbers last year actually were pretty good, and they even got the playoffs out of it. So simplify it, get down the running game, commit the running game, just be that, focus on getting that push the line, and build off of that. And that look at the Seahawks this year. They're not perfect, by the way, but Russell Wilson's been vintage. Like this might I mean this might be the best Russell Wilson I've seen. Yeah. So it's amazing. Okay, getting the next question. We could stay here for hours. This well, this is not very positive. Rob at R O B E nineteen sixty one. He says, By how much will the Rams lose the Cardinals this weekend? <laughs> Man. I don't think they. I don't think they lose this game. I think it's losable. I think the Cardinals. Oh, yeah, they're, all, they're all losable. Well, I mean, the Cardinals are better than they're the record. Good. They're good, dude. I'm not saying they're not. They're good. They they also lack one thing. Um, they lack one thing that the Rams can take advantage of, and that is their pass rush is one guy. That's Chandler Jones. They don't have the pass rush like. Like, for example, Pittsburgh had that could send everybody. 
that's a bad matchup for the Rams. The 49ers front seven is a bad matchup for the Rams because they can't handle all that pass rush. If you got one singular guy or one or another guy, you can handle it. So we may see a bit of a rebirth of the Rams offense this week because the pass rush is going to be, I won't say non-existent, but it's not going to be nearly as threat. It's at Arizona. They are better than what they thought. I have no idea how this defense responds. It's a similar quarterback, but I don't know. This is where the there's there's the analyst Tommy and me, and there's also the the fan of me. The analyst says that they they lose this game. A close one, they lose it. The fan of me says there's no way that this team coming off that loss last week when they're that much, when they are a better team, talent wise. I'm not saying better than, than Baltimore. I'm saying just better, period. They're a talented team than the Cardinals. There's no way they come out there and drop in their egg. That's the fan side of me. And I'm not sure which way I go on that. Yeah. Did we – let me ask you this. Did the did the Rams have a camera in the locker room after this loss? Probably not, right? Well, according to the reports, Rams players mm-hmm. got out of there. They got out of Dodge when that game was over. Yeah, so I'm like normally you'll see like Sean do his little stupid speech with his woo, Ric Flair, and all that. And but mm. when they lose, you don't see none of that. Like I want to see how all that went down. I just I know what it's like to be in those those locker rooms. So yeah. it's yeah, it's it's a morale thing, man. If you're if and like you were saying earlier, there's leaders on that defense, and when the leaders are packing it in, it's infectious because. Not everybody in this world is an individual, my friend. There are people that just are followers. And if Aaron Donald's on the, you know, on the field mumbling to himself, man, I'm tired of this, whatever, blah, 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 and he just throwing his shoulders down, and then and his teammates see that, man, they're like, oh, man. It's just infectious, dude. It is. And that's where you go back to Sean McVay in leadership. And this actually takes us to our next Two questions. One is from the Rams fan. That's a former Fib Trader. It's Henry at Henry Petzold, and then also we'll mont, uh, we'll include him to Michael Williams at Dante Z I N Ferno on Twitter. Good question, guys, because I think this is what Tommy and I would want to talk about. First version. So, any thoughts of McVeigh getting some help as OC? Say Jay Gruden, Mike Williams, Boom. Michael. Yep, I knew you liked that one. Michael Williams <laughs> says, "Will this year convince Sean McVay he needs an OC, so like someone else in charge of full play calls?" The goat coach Belichick of all time, even as head coordinators. Also, is Leslie going to start feeling a hot seat? A lot of questionable moves, money tied up. So let's let's take this apart, okay? OC Jay Gruden, what you got? I love it. I love it. I love it, and I'll tell you why. Because as a head coach. Your job is to delegate. You're the boss, okay? If you if you try to do it all, you will fail, all right? It's inevitable. There's just too much work to do. And there's supposed to be people working for you doing certain jobs so you don't have to. A head coach's job is to monitor game flow, the clock, the play clock, timeouts, and all that stuff. That's his job. His job is to go into his coordinator's ears and go, hey, guys, this is what I'm seeing. His job is to be a second set of eyes for all three of those guys. And he's not doing that. Why? Because he's a control freak. He wants to run the offense. And therefore, he's not even watching the game flow. He's too busy. So, Jay Gruden, 
Come on, brother. Come help your boy. You're the one who gave him his opportunity. Now reel him in. And I'm telling you now, I'm going to make this call right now. If Sean McVay were to hire Jay Gruden as his offensive coordinator, this team is right back at it next year. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's not as dire as people think. This is why I said there's a little bit of hope in there as well, because it's not as dire as people think. This, this roster is still very talented. Even if they lose some players next year who are up for free agency, you get yourself a Jay Gruden, a guy that McVay knows, and I'm sure to a large degree trust, right? I mean, without Jay, like you said, without Jay Gruden, Sean McVay doesn't have this job, right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And we're, I know people are going to say, well, Jay Gruden, look what happened in Washington. And well, we've seen that time and time again. A lot of people out there are really, really great coordinators and they're really bad head coaches. Well, let's, let's, let's not even stop there because we can't give him we can't give him a grade as a head coach yet because he coached for the worst franchise in the league. Didn't you hear what Kyle Shanahan said about the Redskins a couple yeah, weeks I'm, ago? I'm just saying that but there, were, <laughs> there were personality issues that shouldn't have come up in Washington. And that, to me, is a sign that he probably wasn't ready for what he was getting himself into. It doesn't mean he can't be a good head coach in the future. I'm just saying, oh, I'm just using a general statement overall, though. You, you, we could say, well, look what he did as a head coach. How can he have him as a coordinator? Because it's two different jobs. North Turner, horrible head coach. Yeah, well, please don't. I don't. I don't like it when people say stuff like that out loud. <laughs> say what out loud? Because it proves to me that they're not thinking before they ask the question. Why would someone hire somebody as an OC if they failed as a head coach? That's a horrible thing to say. But guess what? <laughs> Those questions will be there because I've already seen them. <laughs> well, no, I'm just I, no. They're going to come up, but the, the, those people shouldn't even be asking that. That's, that's no, they shouldn't. Dude. They shouldn't, and that's why I'm explaining it because you know, look, North, North Turner's a great example. Dave Wanstad, guys who were not very good head coaches, and they were they were they were and in, and in and in uh, North Turner's case, still are great coordinators. Yep. And so I'll take not, take not everybody's meant minute. to be that. To uh, the second part of the question, well, I'm going to add this on, and I think I'll, I'll throw it to you, because it's not just about Jay Gruden or anybody else's offensive coordinator, but how many how many quarterbacks coaches has Jared Goff had since he's been uh, in the league? Too many. Too many. Okay. And in this case, you have Zach Robinson hired in from Pro Football Focus. Also a former quarterback as well. Before that, you had Shane Waldron working with them, and you had LaFleur working with them, and Zach Taylor. You had all these guys working with them. The continuity. Yes, continuity. So, no continuity. I Just to throw it in there, and I'm, I'm going to throw it back to you too. The Rams, I think, have to take a hard look at Zach Robinson and the effect he's had in Jared Goff this year. And quickly... I mean, I'm talking like within hours of the season being over this year. Have that evaluation done and get somebody else in if you think there's somebody better. Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying that he should be. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying have an evaluation done on him. And then if there is somebody better out there, you go spend the money. It doesn't matter what it is. And get the guy who's going to be there and can be there for the long haul of Jared Goff. Because you're locked to this guy. You're married to him. Get him the best best. Nah, you're not. Possible. You're not married. Though. You're married, married to him for. Him. You are married to him for at least, at the very least, two more years. 
No, you're not. You can do whatever you want in the NFL. You can do whatever you want. You trade anybody you want, you can do whatever you want. The contracts in the NFL are not guaranteed. They, they trade people all the time. That his contract's guaranteed a large portion of it. Yeah, well, they'll trade it. They'll trade them. They'll trade them. They don't care. Dead money is dead money. Dead Nobody money cares, dude. Nobody at cares. his level, though, at his level, that's can that that'll completely paralyze. It's a no. It's a no win money. situation for the GM. He keeps Goff. He sucks. You're fired. You trade Goff, and you you admitted you were wrong. It's a no win situation, dude. So it, it, it's a no win situation okay. unless Goff decides that he likes to, you know he wants to play football. Okay, but that's the thing you're talking about. You're talking about Goff. Yeah, right? I, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Goff no more. That's the next okay. episode because well, he's, he's on my last nerve. Okay, but let me <laughs> let me let's take Goff's name out of it. Let's just just say quarterback A it could be any quarterback, and you have a ton of money invested in him, hundred and ten million dollars. All right, you Put are on somebody else's books. It, Listen, just just hear me out, okay? <laughs> Especially when dead money's involved, okay? Because you can't take $35, $40 million dead money on your payroll. You just can't. It's not, you just can't. Who's, so, who, said, who said it's that much? All right. Are you seriously going to have me do this? No, I don't. I honestly don't care at this okay, point. Okay, so then let me just make my point. That I'm getting frustrated. <laughs> okay. In this case, quarterback A, big contract, he still was number one pick. You've seen him do do well in the past. How do you get him from point A to point B, right? Tell me if I'm wrong, Tommy. But it seems it makes sense that you're going to turn around and invest in the investment. In other words, you're going to go out there and get the best coordinator possible for him. You're going to get the best quarterbacks coach possible for him. And you're going to get somebody like you mentioned offline to me, a Peyton Manning to come in there. And work with him. You get people like that invested in that quarterback, and we should see a return. And part of that's accountability too, right? That's all. I'm yeah. That's no, all I'm I mean, yeah. I, I said if you want to find out what Jared Goff is really made of, get Peyton Manning to come in and work with him in the off season, and make him watch film with him, and make him work with him every day, and make him show up to work in the off season and earn his paycheck instead of screwing around and blowing his money. I don't want to. I don't want to hear about none of that. Get to work, dude. You're making bank. Let's go. Let's go. Don't pack it in. I've seen tons of NFL quarterbacks and NFL players get paid over the last 25 years and kick their feet up. Don't do it, bro. Don't do it. Okay, and and then moving over to McVay and the subject of an offensive coordinator. Will this year convince McVay that he needs an offensive coordinator? What what needs to be done right now when it comes to McVay? You said he's what? Mentioned you. You said he's not delegating, right? So no, he's not, and you have to. Josh McDaniels didn't delegate in Denver. Look what happened to him. He's right back where he started. And you know what? I think you see signs of it too. By the way, no, I do. I see. I'm wa- I watched Josh do his thing in Denver. I like Josh a lot too. And you know he he's young. He's he Mister Know It All type guy, kind of alpha personality. Um, pissed a lot of the players off because most of them are the same age or older than him, you know, and they're not trying to hear that noise from a younger or a peer. You know, it's harder for those guys to get in the pool with you if you're trying to puff your chest out. You, you can't do that. I was a manager at a very large telecom company when I was 23 years old, and I had 40 guys working under me, and some of them were in their 40s like I am now. And man, I had to really navigate those relationships to get them to rally around me and to, to work for me because I was so young. So it's all about 
you know, who you are, how you are, and how you handle yourself. You know, it's important to understand all that. I would also say that in terms of evidence for Sean McVay, the evidence I'm talking about is it's clear that he's taken on too much. Yeah. It's clear because when you have so much in your brain that it becomes impossible for you to quickly think on the fly and adjust, that's saying something. Okay. So let me let me let me share something real quick. So Sean McVay at training camp I had a brief conversation with him, not this season, off season, but I think it might have been his first year. And he had dark circles under his eyes. And I asked, Hey man, when's the last time you got a, a eight hours of sleep? And he laughed. And I was like, Careful. Be careful. And he's like, I feel you. But I was like, be careful, you know, and we're seeing signs of it, man. He's he's killing himself, dude. You better get some help, bud. You better get some help. Dick Vermeil was an amazing head coach for the Eagles. And the dude burned himself out to the point where he left the game for 15 years before he came back and coached the Rams. And uh, McVay deserves criticism for what's going on, right? He's he's been making some some bad decisions. But on a human level, on a human level, he's just got too much going on. And the signs are there. Having a hard time with clock management. Unable to make adjustments quickly. I mean, there was a picture online yesterday that looked like he was stoned out of his gore. Okay? The guy's tired. You're going to burn a guy. People who are... Sean McVay might have the most creative mind in terms of play design that I've ever seen. But... We haven't seen as much of that this year. And I think it's just because the guy's tired. The guy's taken on too much, and he's, and he's put himself in a position, Tommy, where, you know, it's all on him. If you don't ask for help in life, I always tell my coworkers this when, when I say, hey, listen, guys, workload management. We all have areas, we all have projects that we work um, in Southern California, and some of us are busier than others at certain times of the year, depending on when stuff breaks loose through jurisdictions and, and construction schedules and whatnot. So one of my coworkers has a lot of work going on right now, and I, I told him, I said, hey, delegate some of those projects to me. I got some free time. I could take care of them for you. And it's just teamwork. You have to learn how to you know manage your workload and delegate, and if you don't do that, Man, you're going to fail. It's inevitable. It's yeah, inevitable. And some people might kind of view that as, as gossip. It may view it as, but listen, it, and you know what? We might be wrong. This analysis might be wrong of Sean McVay, but just pay attention to him on the sidelines. Pay attention to him at impressors and pay attention to him as in any place where he's interacting with somebody. Yeah, if he takes a deep breath, if he takes a deep breath before his first sentence when he's answering a question at the podium, watch how he takes that deep breath, watch his eyes, watch his shoulders, watch him, he's a person. You'll see, if you look close enough, you'll see the things that we're looking at, because we're not just looking at football, we look at everything, because if you don't look at everything, you're never going to find the answer, just be chasing your tail. Yep, it also... And I, and I can tell you flat out, having gone through uh, the September to remember with my daughter, this last time where I got like two hours of sleep a night. If you're tired, you're not making, you're not going to be as good as making decisions, man. It's just, no, I know I'm not. I'm terrible. I, I'm I'm a morning person, so by the time two p.m. hits, I start to wear down like mentally, you know. So I mean, 
yeah, maybe, maybe we're wrong on this, but all the signs are there that this guy's burned himself out. And taking, it, taking away the criticism just on a human level, if we're honest about Sean McVay, when Sean McVay's on, he's special as a head coach. I don't want to, and and, and let's be clear about this, everybody who's listening. I love Sean. I love our coaching staff. I love our team. I don't want him to go anywhere. I want him to fix this because I don't want someone else to benefit from him like the New England Patriots Mm, benefited from getting Bill Belichick eventually and Cleveland and the Jets blew it. Okay. I don't want to be that team. I don't want to be that franchise to look back and see Sean McVay holding up Lombardi's for another franchise. He ain't going nowhere. We just need to get him to delegate. Be a head coach, brother. You know? Need that front office in there. Kick your feet up a little bit so you can go hang out with your woman and and let the other guys work, man. Yep. Get your leadership from the Rams in there and and get Sean some help uh, that he he trusts. And you're going to see a change. I think as time goes on, I, Sean McVay still learned to be a head coach, and and every I think every head coach goes through that, especially if you had success early, where you you are now driven, and he's driven to succeed. Okay, you keep going, yeah. you keep going, you keep pushing, you keep pushing, and eventually you push too far. I gotta keep going, guys. We have so many questions here. We're, we've been on the air for geez, we haven't even done our, our Cardinals preview yet. It's gonna be a long show. Okay, Eric Berenzen at Berenzen. 88. He's got two questions for us. Does anyone else feel like it was BS that the Ravens were, thro- were still throwing the ball 30 yards down, filled with 42-6 lead and eight minutes left in the fourth quarter? To me, it showed no class at all. Tommy, knowing you, you probably have a specific response to that. I'll, I'll be real quick with mine. That way you can just touch you guys say. Yeah, we're um, just going to go into just brief answers. We're not going to go off on yeah. tirades anymore. I will say this. The type of football I played... I put my foot on your throat. If you can't, if you can't keep up, that's not my problem. I would say a, it is low class, but b, I'm the same feeling. You know, it, it may be low class, but you want people to remember who you are. You want people to remember that you're willing to put their put your your boot in their throat. Yeah, okay, it's football, man. This, this is so. It is low class in terms of. It just well, behavior, I mean, it's just it's it's your perception. I don't think it's low class. It's it's a perception I, thing, right? I do. Football I do, to me is not a gentleman's game. It's not. A, I'll, let me just phrase this way: I, when I was coaching and and as I was in school, we're teaching these kids to have to, for sportsmanship. Does it mean you don't you? Does it mean it's a participation trophy for me, anyways? But sportsmanship, and in this case, they're done. They're beaten forty-two-six. Yes, it's it's bad sportsmanship. However, I understand it, and even though it's not quote unquote classy, you know why they're doing I'd it. Still do it. You, you want to know why they're doing it? Because Lamar Jackson needs as many reps passing the ball as possible, so he can get ready to go try to win a Super Bowl. Because the playoffs are a whole nother level, and you better have your game well rounded. So, for even though they're winning. By ever how many touchdowns, their job is to still work on plays for the future. That, yes, this too. game is already over, so they're they're working on other things. They're trying different things, and if the defense doesn't want to play and shut them down, they're going to throw touchdowns on them. It is what it is, dude. They're being paid to work, and if the game's already over in the third quarter, what are they going to do? Just run the ball three times and run the clock out and then punt it every time? What if that team well, comes he was, back? He was talking you know? in the fourth go, just adding some third quarter. But I mean, who was playing quarterback? Who 
And was RG three was RG three in yet? You know, I'm a little fuzzy on that one. I'm not sure if it was or not. Yeah, regardless, they're trying to get guys reps. And if RG three was in there throwing the ball around because they're trying to get him reps, because what if Lamar Jackson gets hurt? You know, their job is to be prepared. And if we t- if we were uh, if we took the brunt of it because of it, then so what? It's what it is. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm I'm, I'm split two ways. Is it sportsmanship? Is it good sportsmanship? No. If I'm, and what if I'm should the head they coach, do then? What should they do? Well, listen to me. This, this is what I'm saying. Is a sport is a good sportsmanship? No. But if I if I'm the head coach and I'm in that situation, I'm still doing it because I I can't worry about sportsmanship. Then when what is good sportsmanship? You're getting midway in the fourth quarter and you're running dive plays. You're just trying to get out of there. But listen to me. I'm not. Don't overthink this one i'm just saying no i'm just i'm asking you can't say it's it, like the and i'm talking about the the gentleman who proposes the question not you but what i'm saying is you can't say it's it's low class unless you tell me what is high class oh okay hey eric when you, you hear that could you respond on there and let us know okay and, and you responded saying run the ball and let the team back in the game. Okay, if that's... Well, no, no, if no, 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 Listen, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say... <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run the clock out, so I'm going to do is what I'm saying. But... Yeah. But that's in the if, case of... If, a, if it's just sportsmanship. If it's... But that's not really me either right now. I'm, I'm saying I know good sportsmanship, and I also know that I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. And my drive to win a Super Bowl is going to outweigh that sportsmanship. I'm sorry. I, I have a responsibility to an organization to get you to a Super Bowl and win it. Exactly. Other questions he has: Can we at least finish nine and seven? And does Havenstein get a spot back when he gets healthy? Uh, question, question one: Yes, we could finish nine and seven. Uh, question two: No, he should not. If he he lost his job to injury, but he also lost it because uh, he was playing bad. I don't think he should get to come back in just because of this paycheck is higher than um, Bobby Evans. Sorry, sit on the bench, buddy. And uh, my answer is. I looking at the schedule. I more lean towards eight and eight, but yes, they can finish nine and seven. Uh, Havenstein had outplayed him, had played himself out of a job before that. He was, he was to me. He was starting that. He was starting because he was being paid the money to start there. Yep. He was his front. Go back and watch the film. Look at his front leg, his front right leg. How it comes out is just too slow for the tackle position right now. Maybe he was hurt. Maybe other things going on. But he wasn't playing good enough. It's just the bottom line. Uh, last part of this question: Who else is who else is feeling as disgusted and embarrassed as I am after watching that debacle last night? We got this from yesterday, and I think we all are. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I kicked my feet up on the rail because we have uh, we have row one seats, so there's railing in front of us. I kicked my feet up after you know. I think in the second quarter, like I said earlier, and you know when they're like, "It's third down," I was like, "So what?" <laughs> I was just sitting back drinking my beer. Just, I, I was enjoying. The company of my friends, because at the end of the day, win, lose, or draw, um, I wouldn't have all that if the Rams didn't move back to L.A., so I do appreciate what we have, um, and I knew we were going to lose at that point. I, I just smelled it, so I just enjoyed the rest of the evening and chatted it up with everybody, and I didn't let it bother me, and even a couple of the people next to me were like, how come you're not upset? I'm like, well, I had this as a loss on the schedule anyway, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's what I was talking about, though. As I was, I was man Twitter during the game, and it wasn't that they lost; it was how they lost. That's what had me upset. It's oh yeah, of course, how dude. you lost. That trust game. me, and that's why I kicked my feet up because I'm like, well, if they're going to kick their feet up, I'm going to do it too. Like they're not, they're not, they don't look like they want to be there. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to look like I want to be here. I'm not losing my voice tonight. If you're not willing to lose anything, you know, like they're 
<laughs> uh, I've never seen such horrible body language in my life until or when the Jaguars before this season, remember last year when they gave up on Blake Bortles, the defense, mm-hmm. and they just started letting all the running backs run by him, and they just olayed him, and everyone's like, what's going on? I mean, the Jags defense sucks all of a sudden. I'm like, bro, they don't suck. They just hate their quarterback, dude. So they're <laughs> like, ah, we're going to get we're gonna get him fired. And they did because Blake's our backup now. So it is what it is. And I saw a, a defense on Monday night that wanted to get somebody fired because they weren't interested in playing football. I'll tell yeah, you that. At the very least – at the very least, they decide to send a message that something's wrong. Oh, they did. The oh, they did. They, they yeah. sent a message. They're like, if you guys aren't going to score more than six points, we're, we're not going to stop anyone. We're going to let them go. But you and I have said in the show, at least the last two or three weeks, we, you and I have been saying, listen, there's something wrong with the culture there right now. And we're not wrong. I mean, the evidence was in front of us. Oh, it's the it's the Jets and the Sharks on West Side Story. The offense versus the defense, dude. They're all they you know the uh, the defense is staring across the locker room at them, and just shaking their heads. Like, man, you guys are suspect, dude. I guarantee it. Okay, we're almost done here, guys. Uh, at uh, James at JC Machine Four, he says, "How can a fan not be disgusted after that performance last night?" We already covered that. We uh, I think they all are. And do you think players stopped trying? Yes, they did. And mm-hmm. lastly, what realistic targets are available at positions of need this off season? I'm not going to go that far into that. We're not there yet. But well, it, and you don't want me to remember this. This will roll back into my my nuke, right? I have a nuke. And it's and a lot of I'll, you want me to drop it? I'll no, do it. No, it's no, no. Let's, let's save it. Let's let's save that thing for uh, the golf show. Okay, let's save it for next week because it, it kind of correlates with that. All right. But <laughs> what, I, what I would say is this: the uh, it's it's really impossible to look at targets of need in, if you're if you're talking about free agents right now because the Rams are going to have their own challenge in just re-signing the guys they want to keep. They have to work out all that, all that stuff too. Yeah, so, talent's not our talent's not our problem. So stop looking outside of who we already have to make our team better. We we can fill a few pieces and we could re-sign a few pieces and we can draft a few pieces. That's about it, guys. Don't get too excited about the off season because it's not going to be as flashy as it has been in the past, in my opinion. So temper your expectations and hope that they draft a lot of offensive linemen. And it, well, and even then, I'd say if you're looking at the the offensive line the last two weeks, I know a lot of folks are upset with the offensive line. They actually weren't that bad last no. week. They're, no, they're showing something. The thing is, this they were only the, they were on the field for less than twenty minutes, so there's no real continuity. And then B, you either you have a bunch of young guys. So to me, the Rams may already have most of their solutions for the offensive line. We don't know quite yet, but they might. We're gonna find out. They played these guys out these last five games, and they should. I like I like our starting five right now. I really do. I think that each week they're starting to gel a little bit. These guys are getting an opportunity, and they're making the most of it, and I can respect that. So, And, and then some people might not believe that, but listen, hey, I know many of our listeners watch the game like multiple times. Just go back and watch the game. Yeah, they made some mistakes out there, but if you're going to compare that offensive line to what we saw three, four weeks ago, it's still better. I'm just saying, they're young guys. They're... Don't quote me. Don't say, well, Derek C. Apollo said this is the solution. No, I'm saying they might be. They might already have that offensive line, the exception of left tackle, ready to go for next year. Okay, so and they might have they might have their left tackle in Joseph Notebloom. So yeah, you know, how, we, yeah, yeah, but we we might have our guys. They were just buried on the bench because at the end of the day, Aaron Cromer and Sean are going to make the decision before the season starts of who those five guys were going to be. At the end of the day. Uh, it looks like they were wrong, and that's okay. We all are. We all 
pick our guys and hope that they're, you know, the best ones. But sometimes you're wrong, and that's okay too. But that's where we have to go back months. And I've been wanting to say this on the show for the last two days, and I'm just going to say it real quick. How arrogant now do the Rams look for sitting that offensive line there in preseason? <laughs> because, I mean, you you had two guys who were in brand new as NFL starters in there. You have to get the, the chemistry built with the whole line, and they didn't play a snap. That looks very arrogant now. And at worst, at worst, in live game play against other teams' first team, someone at least, you could have done some evaluation that – could have shown you something and instead you waited until the Carolina game and that offensive line was never right no um see here uh, at Cal Jamison I'm sorry Cal, Cal Jamison at Jamestown Calif uh, my question to Rams coaches in uh, regards to I watched the replay of the game on the NFL Network mid third quarter regulation I couldn't help but laughing at the Ram football game yours how do you have 12 men in the field and then not hold and then not hold on D allowing for down conversions I think it's pretty simple there, Cal. They just quit. Yeah, they they just weren't paying attention. Um, the first year I coached youth football, my job, one of my responsibilities, I was the defensive coordinator, but one of my responsibilities was to make sh- to help the head coach make sure that there was never twelve guys on the field. And when you got a bunch of seven and nine year olds running around, man, that's a difficult task. <laughs> it really is, dude. They're just not paying attention. They just don't. They run out there and like, dude, you're not a starter. Get out of there. <laughs> but for a gro- to see grown men do it when they know when they know their packages and they know their assignments is just funny. Like I, when they got the when they said the penalty over the PI, I laughed. And I was like, why is that funny? I'm all because they're idiots, dude. What are you five? <laughs> Come on, man. Twelve men on the field. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Last question and. Uh, this may be a question we answer a little bit now, and then we focus more on later. It's a pretty good question. This is from Mark E at Mark E L A ninety four. How are they, being the Rams, going to fix the offense or replace pending freeze with without premium picks and cap space? Heading into a new stadium while trying to field an exciting team, build a fan base, appease SSL holders who paid dollars for their seats. Um, you want to take it first? Sure. Well, if you look at the starting 22 on the team right now, players only, they're not bad, right? we got a lot of good players. So I don't think we need to do a lot of changing. I think we need to do a lot of changing uh, that we talked about earlier. Sean McVay needing an offensive coordinator um, so we could focus more on game flow and understanding how to adjust play calling within the game because they can bounce stuff off of each other. I think we really need to focus on that more. Um, not having the first round picks. I'm not really worried about that right now because most first round picks are bust anyway, so it's not that big a deal. And you already have your first round pick. If you sign yeah, Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, we, we signed we we keep we re-sign Ramsey and we have our first round pick for two years in a row. And I would rather have one player minus two first round picks than two players that are bust. And Jalen Ramsey hasn't even played his best football for this team yet. Nope. Nope. So. He's not. Even, he's the best corner in the NFL, and I don't care what anybody says. He is, man, and you'll, you're going to see it eventually. Trust me. Um, on my end, I'm going to focus on the second part of that because the first part right now is something that Tommy did a good job with. You're hanging to this new stadium, trying to fill an exciting team, build a fan base, appease SSL holders, 
pay lots of money. So this actually circles right back to the beginning of the conversation. And the Rams, I'm actually convinced a reason why they've made a lot of these superstar trades is because of this. They, they're trying to get stars. And they're trying to figure out how to win with those stars at the top of the roster and have enough support to succeed underneath, okay? I would say that in terms of building that support and so on and so forth, it's a lot of it's just, hey, find a way out of this doldrum they're in now and you come out next year and you play winning football. Finish this year strong. The other part of it, and I'll say it again a thousand times, L.A. is a good sports market, but as Tommy wants to tell me, it's also fair weather, okay? And if you want to build this fan base, you have to do the things that get deep into the heart of people. And so the Rams should be, this should be an obsession. Their community risk department needs, needs to be in, all in, on getting into the schools and helping in the schools, getting in on charities, getting involved it's just in the community itself and being out there invisible and making, in many cases, dreams come true. I'll never forget last year when Whitworth went out there and bought like an entire grade of kids' bikes. That was such a wonderful thing that he did, but guess what? I mean, Tommy, you remember that, don't you? Yeah. So do I. You don't forget that stuff. That stays with you. And I pretty much guarantee almost all those kids who got free bikes that day are going to be Rams fans the rest of their lives. Of course. You're going to... Because you, so, somebody cared enough about you to to do that, you are impacted by it. And then if, with that in mind, you're going to build your fan base. You stay out there and you stay committed to getting in the community. And, let me let me let me piggyback you know, off of that real quick, Derek. Sure. So when I was sitting in my seats, because we're in the front, there's a there's a so we're on the ground level of the Coliseum. The Coliseum is built underground, so. When you walk in on ground level, all the 200-level seats are ground level. So ours is right there. You turn, our seats are right there where the railing is. Um, So people are walking back and forth in and out of the stadium, going to the restrooms, the whole game. And when we were starting to get smoked a little bit in the third quarter, all the fans started leaving, and they're all walking by us, and they're all saying the same thing. If they're not going to fight, we're not going to fight. I'm out of here. you know. And I just felt their pain, dude. I felt the same way. I wasn't going to leave because, listen – I spent my hard-earned money on those tickets. I'm going to get every second out of that building I can, right? I got there at noon that day, tailgated, drank beer all day till kickoff, went in there, and, and got my money's worth because I'm going to get my money's worth, win, lose, or draw. And plus, I have, I'm having fun with so many Ram fans that I met over the years. I don't want to leave. I, you know, I, the, we got blown out. Whatever. I'm enjoying it. But the people that are leaving, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. And what they were saying was absolutely true. If they're not going to fight, we aren't either. I was like fist bumped one of the dudes. I was like, I got you, man. I I feel that. And in and, and the Rams players and coaches needed to see that, to be honest with you. Everyone filing out in the third quarter, not the fourth quarter. They were like, see ya. And it was brutal. It was brutal, man. I mean, well, part of it, too, is I'm not sure how much of that message was heard because it hasn't been the world's best relationship yet with the team, at least with the players, because, you know, they're, in their words, used to seeing a lot of visiting fans there, quote-unquote. They probably don't all understand how L.A. works. But I will say this. Any fan, every fan, is going to stay if you men get worth staying. 
Of sometimes- course, if you if you fight, we will fight. We will fight with you. If we see effort, if we see when a guy makes a tackle and he jumps up and throws his arms and throws his arms up in the air and trying to get the crowd into it, man, we go nuts when they do that. They did none of that on Monday. Yeah. None of it. They basically spit in our face yeah, you're, with that behavior. It's not even the play. It's the behavior yeah. that we all noticed. Well, that's why people were leaving, Derek. It wasn't because we were getting smoked. We were getting smoked because of what we all saw. We saw a team that didn't want to come to work that day. Bingo. And whatever the reasons were, we're pretty, you know, we can be pretty confident that that's what it was. That's what happened. Okay, so it's no secret, though, that when Tommy and I get on a podcast, the goal is an hour show period or less, and we're already at an hour and 16. So you're getting the mega Rams Talk Radio podcast today full of all kinds of nuggets and some debate and, you know, we, we're on it. But a little, ang- a little anger. A little anger there. Okay. I have a couple of thoughts at the end, though, that I think will make us smile. Before we get there, though, we do want to talk about our sponsor, Jim Hawk. Jim Hawk wrote this book, this great one, Hollywood Team, Great Glam, the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. And with that book itself, it covers the era between 1953 and 1957. It's about Jim's dad, John. He was an offensive lineman for the team. He played with... That's right, Norm Van Brocklin, Ori Quasley's Hurst, Tom Fierce, Les Richter, all in this era of grit, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. It's, it was a really neat era for the Rams. They didn't win a title during this era. They had won a couple years before, but those personalities were still there. They were crazy personalities, a lot of fun to listen to. Sorry, and I, I, yes, I listened to the book, but also um, to to read. So where do you get it? So HollisTeen.com and on Twitter HollisTeen. You can get Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's available both in paperback. It's on Kindle, you know, electronic form, hardback. You got it, folks. Check it out and do us a solid, please, and leave this man a review so he knows that you took the time to read his book and you enjoyed it. Okay. All right. Without further ado, here is our preview podcast interview. Our preview interview with Jess Root from Cardswire. All right, folks, I'm here with Jess Root, the site editor for Cardswire, also has the Rise Up Sea Red podcast covering the Arizona Cardinals. Jess, how you doing, man? It's not been doing well, but personally, everything's going great. The Cardinals has been, has been an up-and-down year. It's, it's, as you, if, you, if you paid attention, it's, it's been very streaky. But things are looking up because it's not Steve Wilkes, it's not Mike McCoy, and instead, it's Kyler Murray, and he has everyone so excited for the future. And that would include me, because I was wrong. I think you and I talked before about what, you know, you, last year about where the Cardinals were going, and I, I didn't like a lot what they were doing. And they fired everybody, and I thought when they went and got Kyler that this isn't going to work. I don't I just don't see how it's going to work, and... And what we're going to find out real quick is this NFC West, as tough as it is now, is tougher than we all thought it would be. And it's about to be better because the Cardinals, I think, are really coming up. So I want to ask you first off, Jess, what made this come together? Because a few months ago, this looked like a dire situation. Well, it was basically... Now, there were there were no expectations for this team to begin with this year. Um, 
And in terms of wins and losses, they're kind of right on pace for where people thought they might be. I, I think uh, Vegas had them in like kind of a, I might have been five or five and a half, and I'm figuring they will probably get five, maybe six wins. This is kind of how things are trending right now. Um, but the Cliff Kingsbury experiment and experience has been much better than a lot of people thought. Now, uh, this, this offense has come around. The offensive line has been better. But I think what the biggest surprise has been is just how flexible Kingsbury has been with his personnel groupings and his scheme. And, and then, obviously, Kyler Murray has been, as a rookie, every bit as good and even better as, as than advertised. Um, he's doing some really historic-type things. He's, he's had some low games in terms of yards, but he's, he's had big yardage games. He's had big rushing games. But, and they haven't had the touchdowns, but that's coming around. But most importantly, he's not turning the ball over. So that trend, so that one season at Oklahoma of starting where he uh, was absurdly good with protecting the football, now, that's now turned into an NFL rookie campaign where rookies turn the ball over. And that's perhaps the most exciting thing is he's a careful quarterback and he's, and even with the growing pains and the kind of figuring out how NFL defenses work and the speed and everything, he is continuing to improve. And even at the beginning, he wasn't bad. And so we've really seen no bad Kyler Murray since, since the season started. Uh, we've seen some mistakes early on for, because he would, you know, he would take sacks or run out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage. But basically, he is trending upward and he's on pace to break all sorts of rookie records, not only for the Cardinals, but he's already set rookie records for the league. And, and he's actually on pace in terms of passing yards to have the sixth best passing season in Cardinals history. And that's, that would be bested by only three players. Carson Palmer did it three times, um, Kurt Warner once, and, and Neil Lomax once. So we're, we're talking about a guy that's showing, oh my goodness, a ton of promise. Um, but basically everything has been about that turnaround offensively. The protection got a little better. He was better about decisions. And so, and they're running the football effectively. Um, they're running the ball better than they really ever have since I can remember following the Cardinals. And that's basically the turnaround is there are every bit as good offensively as we hoped they would be. And even Still, there's room for improvement. So the, the six out of the last seven games, they've scored at least 25 points, and that is still with one of the worst third-down percentages and red zone percentages in the league. What overall you, – you mentioned the little things. Like he, he anticipated his blocking better. They ran better. They did a bunch of little things better that you couldn't quite foresee. But what were some of the the big things that made it even possible for him to be as successful as he's been in his rookie year? Well, one, Kingsbury made his offensive system friendly. So it's built around Kyler's skills. It's built around the, the plays and some of the terminology that he used at Oklahoma. So there was he came in this year knowing the offensive system as well, and if not better than every offensive player on the team. Two, the offensive line has been incredibly durable. Like what you guys experienced last year with the Rams, 
The Cardinals have experienced to some extent this year, and for the last three years, it's just been injury after injury after injury after injury. DJ Humphreys, who has never finished a season in the NFL, has missed three or four snaps this year. Justin Pugh has played every snap. A.Q. Shipley has played every snap. J.R. Sweezy has missed has played all but three snaps. All they've had is turnover at right tackle. And even then, it hasn't been bad. Their, their top starter, Marcus Gilbert, never made it to the season. He, was, he, was, he landed up on injured reserve. And they've gone between Jordan Mills and Justin Murray, and they even had a couple of games where Justin Pugh kicked out over to right tackle. But uh, four of the five positions have been very steady and very durable, and that, that consistency, that, that, that um, chemistry and continuity has led to consistency, first and foremost. And, and I think that's probably the, the biggest thing overall is that the offensive line has been healthy and continuous and consistent, and that's allowed the rest of the offense to sort of evolve. The defense, though, has had its moments, but it's also struggled. What is the key to stopping? Uh, well, let me correct myself. What is the key to beating this Cardinals defense? Uh, Throwing the ball. Get your ball to the tight end. And really, the truth is the Cardinals don't do anything well defensively right now. They've gotten better in the last three weeks against the run. But I think except for last week, maybe the week before, they've given up over 100 yards almost every single game. And they are the worst pass defense in the league. So basically, pass the ball, you'll be successful. They can't stop anyone. <laughs> they've made every quarterback look great. They've made every quarterback look great. Now, Jimmy, Garopp- Jimmy Garoppolo has had a fine season. He's an all-pro against the Cardinals. Jameis Winston, um, it, it, they're terrible against the pass. They're terrible against tight ends. They're terrible on third down. Uh, and they're terrible at the end of halves. So there, if you look at it, there's really nothing. Basically, do something defensively, I mean offensively, in the, and you're going to be able to move the ball down the field because the Cardinals really, aside from, and they, they weren't getting turnovers, and they've started to get a few turnovers, but they don't get any pressure outside of Chandler Jones. And quarterbacks have their way down the field so whether it's a receiver whether it's a tight end the you just basically do anything if you get to third down no problem they're giving up they're they're giving up 46 percent of their third downs um it, it's come to the point if you look at it this way the cardinals at three seven and one should be ideally six and five um my co-host i don't know where he got it from is that if they had a top 20 defense if they were ranked number 20 defensively overall they'd be an eight and three team right now Though we, we know first and foremost that they should be six and five. There are three games where Kyler Murray left the field offensively with a lead late in the fourth quarter in overtime. Left the field with the lead only to have the defense give it up. Um, and they, in one game was they had a lead in overtime against Detroit. They ended up in a tie. And then they lost against Tampa Bay and they lost against San Francisco. Uh, they left the field with a lead. The defense gave up the lead and ended up losing. So, basically, uh, throw the ball, um, and you will find success. That's how it's been so far for your 11 games. You mentioned the pass rush only really being Chandler Jones. That's so weird to me. As long as I've been following the Cardinals, they've had a pass rush going all back to the years when you had Kurt Warner there. What is going on? that you only have that one guy who provides pressure. 
Well, in terms of sacks, I think they're, they're in the top half of the league in sacks. The problem is they're not getting any other sort of disruptions. Chandler Jones has been it. And he's, there is a talent deficiency. You've got Chandler Jones. He's an elite pass rusher. Uh, Terrell Suggs, he's washed up, but he's got moments. Um, they don't, uh, other than the sacks, they get, rarely get disruptions and pressures. Otherwise, I saw a stat on Twitter. I think it was from Pro Football Focus. They are in the bottom five in the league in disrupted dropbacks. Now, sack, the sack production overall is solid. They're getting a few sacks here or there from, from different players, but it, it might be part scheme and part of its talent. I mean, if you look at the defensive, front, the defensive line, in terms of they've got a guy. And Corey Peters is, under, is, is undervalued, but he's older, and he's not elite, but he's a solid player. But the rest of the defensive line, the, the defensive line that they have are, you know, they're serviceable, but not super talented. Rodney Gunter's okay. Zach Kerr is a guy they picked up off the streets. Jonathan Bullard, it, it's been a disappointment in his career. He's been okay this year. Then from the opposite side of the pass rush, Terrell Suggs has had, I mean, he's had moments, but he's, he's not consistent. And they're not getting much anywhere else. And the fact of the matter is Vance Joseph is not blitzing this year. And so, in years past where it was blitz heavy, blitz heavy, blitz heavy, they haven't been doing that this year either for whatever reason, because they don't trust their coverage or because they don't trust the pressure or, or whatnot. But it, overall, it's talent. They, they have a deficiency on talent up front. They've got some, and that's the funny thing, they've got some really, really solid players to, to build around. You've got Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson is kind of a question mark, but Buda Baker looks great in safety. Jordan Hicks has been more than, more than adequate as as an inside linebacker but outside of the three or four you got guys that are average to below average now looking ahead in this matchup this weekend the rams are uh they're a train wreck uh, i mean and if you would have asked me a month and a half ago i said rams sweep the season series but you know what a couple of things happen the cardinals they're competitive they're not a team that like you mentioned they should be six and five. The, their record's three seven and one, but they don't get blown out all that often. They stay in games. You have a young quarterback who makes plays. You still have Larry Fitzgerald there, who he always seems to play well against the Rams. And you know, I can't, I can't say it's a gimme. Matter of fact, I could say I think they'll probably split now. What are your views on this matchup coming up this weekend, and and what do the Cardinals have to do, or what? can the Cardinals do? Like, what are they strong at right now to be able to hit the Rams and beat them? Well, the one thing they do well right now is they're very consistent in moving the football, and, and they showed even against, like, you look against that San Francisco defense that's been so dominant that they've been able to do well. I mean, they built a 16 to nothing lead um, against the 49ers just a couple of weeks ago and made that defense look, and maybe it's just the way that they match up but they made that defense look, you know, normal. They, they turned things around and the defense gave it up. Um, but this matchup is interesting because the offensive line, obviously, for the, for the Rams hasn't been great. Jared Goff has been underwhelming this year, so he's turning the ball over more. And the running game, I mean, Todd Gurley hasn't been Todd Gurley. We, we said the same thing with David Johnson. So while... The part that's kind of interesting to the matchup with this one is the run game because the Rams 
outside of the Ravens game, and they they've been really good against the run, um, elite run stopping team, and like you'd kind of expect. But the Ravens had their weight with them, and, and the Cardinals' running scheme isn't the same thing as what the Ravens do, but there are some similarities. So I, I, it's going to come. Number one, they've got to be able to run the ball a little bit. That's kind of been the Cardinals' secret all year is their ability to run the ball. They don't put up massive numbers, but they're effective. And the, between Kenyon Drake and Kyler Murray, if they can, if they can uh, balance that offense out, they're going to be able to score points. Um, the Cardinals have shown they're scoring points pretty much on everyone right now. They're scoring points. They're moving the ball down the field. It's just a matter of how many stops do they get. Um, then they're getting stopped. And then the, the problem is, is they're also getting turnovers now. So they, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you kind of, you kind of did exactly what you want to do. You sack Jameis Winston four times. You give him to throw two interceptions, and you still lose the game. Um, you get Jimmy Garoppolo. To, you pick him off twice, and they still come back and win the game. So the defense is actually doing a few things that they're getting. They're getting a little bit of pressure. They're forcing turnovers, which they didn't do the first half of the season. Basically the first six games of the season, they had zero turnovers that they created and they're still losing games. They need to, well, if they can get their third down defense, instead of the 46%, get it down to 40%. That puts them in the that gets them if, if, at a 40 percent i think it was like number 10 uh 10th worst so if they can get up into the upper part of the bottom third alone in terms of third down rate if they can get a two or three stops more than they're getting a, a game that'll be enough for the win so they're getting up so many third downs that it's they're basically hoping for teams to drop a pass or for an interception because that's basically the only way that that teams are failing to move down the field against the Cardinals. Offensively, so you keep what they're doing. Defensively, they've got to get two more stops than they have been. That's basically it. Interesting. You're, you're pointing out third down. The Rams, oh, man, third downs, it's been brutal. It's been brutal. This is a team that more often than not made things happen last year under pressure on third down, second down. didn't matter. And the truth is, that's not the case this year. The Pittsburgh game, they were one for 14. Last night's embarrassing game, <laughs> the Ravens. I, I mean, it, it was brutal there, too. They are struggling, and that's one area where you're saying just a couple more stops, we're good to go. So when you're looking at how these teams match up right now with the strengths that the Cardinals are developing and showing, and and what you're seeing about the Rams this year, how does that matchup work out for you? I think this this matchup's going to be fun to watch. I think they're going to see very very even teams. I I think the Cardinals are going to be good for the Rams, and I think the Rams are good for the Cardinals as well. And uh, I I don't know about the game in LA. But that, that's still weeks away, um, even though it's, they're both in the same month. I, I like how the Cardinals get the Rams after a bye. I like that. They get a little bit of extra preparation time. And a Rams team that's that's struggling right now. But uh, Rams fans should probably be pleased with the offensive performance overall. Because the Cardinals have given up over 20 points every single game. Uh, <laughs> 
every single game, and I think it's over 25 in at least half of them. Um, I love, I actually like, I think they're super evenly matched. Um, early in the season, I, I obviously thought that this was, like, this at best would be a competitive game. Like, maybe, just because it's a divisional game, but I pretty much had the Cardinals losing both games against the Rams, and now I almost expect them to win one of them. I don't like, but not that, not that it's a sure thing, but the way that they've been playing in the last few weeks, that they will, they should be able to win one of those, and that should be this week. It's at home. Um, the Rams are on a short week, and the Cardinals are coming off a bye. So they've got extra preparation. The Rams are down an extra day. They're coming off uh, being in bed. Obviously, there's going to be some motivation, but uh, do the Rams react with um, hopelessness, or are they, are they down, or do they come back and, as a fighter got punched in the mouth and come back stronger? Um, that's what I like about this matchup because it's sort of it's, it's, it's a good matchup, and if you get McVeigh and, and Kingsbury, and uh, you've got the, the other angle of Todd Gurley and David Johnson both being running backs that have sort of fallen off the cliff of glory. Every, I actually, I, I'm super excited about this game because I don't know which way it'll go, but I think it's going to be a really good game. All right, so I guess that's, that's where I'm going to go right here and just make the call, if you're willing to. Uh, what's your prediction here? Um, I expect high scoring. I think it will come down to the end, and I think it'll be 31-28 Cardinals. I think they will get the one extra stop that they need. I anticipate that they will probably, as they've done earlier, they will get an early lead and that the Rams will rally. But I think this time around, instead of giving up the, giving up the game-winning score, they actually close it out. All right, there you go. So you're picking Cardinals 31, Rams 28. And, man, it, it's uh, such a different feeling than what I thought this phone, this conversation was going to be a month ago. But we'll see. Hopefully, at least <laughs> it's a fun game because last night was not fun. At least let's hope it's at least reasonably fun. Oh, no, that was that was demoralizing. And here's the thing. The way that we've seen the Ravens play over the last month, I keep looking back at that game in week two. Now, granted, it's week two. It's like, uh, how close are the Cardinals or – have the Ravens just improved that dramatically because the Cardinals had them bottled up except for Lamar Jackson, that, that they had a chance to win late in the game. They just couldn't do it over. They couldn't quite do it. They were still had some hiccups offensively, but to lose by six points to a team that is steamrolling everybody right now is that's kind of the game where I'm looking like, well, did the Ravens not know? Like, what, what was that? The Ravens still oh, going through things, or the or the Cardinals close? Well, given the fact that the Browns also beat up on the Ravens too, I'm looking at the Ravens now, thinking, a that team that they, they gelled, they got the guy they needed, Marcus Peters, in that trade. And to me, it's 100 percent clear that that you know, Mark Jackson just he went home this last winter. And he put the work in. And as things came together this season, I mean, I don't know what to say. That, that His development as a quarterback changes that entire team. And now I think they might be the best team in the league. Actually, I think, I, I'm, I think they are. So, it says a lot about where the Ravens are and, and what's happened to the Rams, I guess. So, Jess, can you tell okay. people... 
can you tell people um, where they can find your work, where they can tune into your your podcast that will be out later this week for your look at this game? We're going to get it. Um, well, the easiest way, um, you can follow my Twitter, but the easiest way is because the site is cardswire.com. If you're a Cardinals, if you're interested in following the Cardinals, obviously you guys are Rams fans, but if you want to keep up with what's going on with the Cardinals, cardswire.com is the site. Um, the, the, the podcast is rise up, see red. You can basically search it anywhere, any, any way you get your podcasts. Uh, it's there. Um, I can't imagine you guys are going to listen to Cardinals podcasts regularly. But it's every once in a while. We have we 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 have we put out shows, we publish shows regularly, so yeah, there's that. At least you can get our perspective um on things, even though I don't imagine most Rams fans are gonna suddenly become uh avid listeners of the show. But it's all about the Cardinals. Well you we actually have, I think, several different listeners who are junkies, not just about the Rams, but they also because they're they are Rams fans, they're now going out there and well, we, pushing for knowing the rest of the division and knowing what's coming. And so, yeah, we got some junkies. You want us to just stick okay. a needle right in their arm, and there they go. So, <laughs> I'm just well, saying. Join, join us. It's, it's Cardinals, but it is NFC West. So, it is it's NFC a lowdown West. on everything that's going on. All right, Jess, I'm guessing we're going to be talking again here at the end of the year. Until then, you have a great one, and good luck this weekend. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, so it's about time for us to close up shop. And before we go, we do want to say we are looking for sponsors. If you are interested in working with us in the community, just anything, period. Just, just let us know. You can email us at ramstot1945 gmail.com. Also, you can find us on voice. You can leave a voicemail for us at 666 We have me to get ready to get out to you. All right, so when I'm talking about hope, I'm talking about hope. We've mentioned a couple things. Tommy, even kind of sort of agree with me on a couple of them. The offensive line may already be built, believe it or not. And that's without even the draft yet. If it's true, if it's right, that's a cheap offensive line. You're good to go. Okay. The Rams, in terms of their key nucleus, Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks. Yeah, a lot of these guys are having issues right now health-wise and or um, production-wise, but... We all know what they're capable of, okay? And all it really takes is getting to the nitty-gritty and fixing your schemes and fixing some of the internal stuff, and all of a sudden these guys could all shine again, all right? That's more hopeful than just hope. Uh, But defensively, you still have a ton of young talent there. Defensively, you have been developing guys to kind of step in in case you lose some guys. Like, hey, Okoronkwo. He's been showing a little something-something here and there. Oh, and yeah. so you, you, we may lose some edge rushers this offseason, but they've been developing people in the background that you need to pay attention to. But mm-hmm. most importantly, when it comes to the future, yes, the salary cap is strapped. Yes, there are some big contracts and they're causing problems. And yes, they're missing some first-round picks. But the, what I want to give you guys some hope for is this. A, even the best players have down years. Jared Goff's career isn't over yet because he's had a rough year. There have been a lot of great quarterbacks who've had some down years. We'll see how he responds this offseason. But then you look at the actual payroll, the contracts themselves. The Rams are really only stuck for two years. And by the time those two years are up, most of their stars are still going to be under 30. Okay, So you have 
this window where they're kind of locked down a little bit. But I'm telling you, go to overthecap.com, go to spottrack.com, take a look at their contract numbers, look at where their outs are, and you're going to see something there. And that is the Rams aren't as stuck as they look. They're just not. No, always, always, you know, dig, man. Don't stare at the surface and panic. That's that's what a yeah, lot of fans a- do. And I, I encourage you all to just dive into those those forums. They're they're there. I have them on my phone. I look at them all the time. That's where I get all this information. And and at the end of the day, all it is is math, guys. It's not rocket science. Just 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 do a little bit of homework, and it'll calm you down. Trust me. Yeah, and there's a lot of people out there with this narrative on the Rams. And it's because they're just too lazy to look deeper. I saw a, a girl from a Tampa Bay podcast last night um, all over the Rams about their management of the money and so on and so forth. And then, of course, she she posted a, a film clip on, on Jalen Ramsey, which actually was promoting a false narrative about him on that play. And it just Are we talking – okay, let, let's talk about that play real quick. So is that the play that everyone keeps sharing where he's – Running down the field, watching Mark Ingram blast through his whole defense. Yeah, yeah, because that's not his job. Their job is there was already like seven guys going through there t- that were supposed to tackle him. They should have did their job. And he's a corner, dude. He's the last. The corners and the safeties are the last line of defense. If I, I used to tell my defensive line and my linebackers, if I have to go in there and make a hit for you, I'm gonna hit you after practice. Here, do your job. Sure. And part two of that too, though, Tommy is. A, if people are paying attention to him, he's not just sitting there with his hands on his hips. He's he's staring at the ball here the whole time. He starts moving in. What's he doing? He's trying to strip the football. And exactly. people are noticing. So, There's a reason why he's the best corner in the league, and you have to live to fight another day. If he goes in there and drops his shoulder every single time to be a hero, he's going to end up like Bob Sanders was. Bob Sanders was one of the best safeties in the league back in the day, but he can never stay healthy. He was just whacking everyone. Yeah, you know, yeah. like he was when he didn't need Man. to. He was hitting guys. He was going in there full speed after three of his teammates already had a dude wrapped up and just cleaning him up. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? Live yeah. to fight another day. We love watching you. Stop getting hurt, yeah, man. Stop getting hurt. And, and he was a great <laughs> player, too. But the also other part of that, too, is you, that person shares that, you know, whoever started it shared that one play, and they ignored the fact that Jalen Ramsey's been tackling people left and right since he joined this team. Dropping shoulders and knocking footballs out, dude. Like, dude, I mean, he's, he's so special. It's just, it, I mean, that's just. So dishonest for anybody to put that out there. But be, it is. that's not really the point. The point I'm trying to make though overall is you had somebody like that who went out there went out of their way and posted this these numbers and they don't even know what these numbers mean. They don't know what's going on in terms of what's guaranteed and when it's guaranteed, where, where dead money is, where you have a chance to, to to dump that contract, where where are they buried? You just look at it and go, Oh, you have all these free agents and they have this little money and that's it. Folks there's one other factor that no one's freaking talking about. And that is in 2021, you're getting a new CBA with a new TV rule and probably 17 games in a season. How much How much do you think that salary cap's going up then? It's From today till then, it's going to be a minimum of $36 million higher than it is now. Just okay. letting you know. Get the new contract. Then what? How much? It could be close to 45 $45.50. Higher, higher than we are it, now. It's gonna, well, so we're, it, at one, we're at 188 right now, right? So um, it'll be for at least forty million more in three years from now. And I'm and I'm going to make the prediction that, that given the fact you're going to seventeen games, yeah, that changes everything as well. So of course, because and that's not official, but all signs are saying seventeen games. If you're going to seventeen games, guess what's happening, folks? 
I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm just raining the money tree. There's just money sliding out of my hands. Okay, so people are worried about the salary cap is that they won't have money in 2021. Guess what? They're gonna have, they're gonna have a lot of money available to them. As as they sit right now, they have 96 in 2021, mm-hmm. and only and only 25, but but only 25 players under contract. So. You have to sign another twenty five with that money. But you also gotta think well, twenty eight, you gotta think that within that process they're gonna have two draft classes are gonna pay straight up. Mm-hmm. Those are gonna be, and none of them are first round picks, so you're gonna have second round pick money all the way around. And again, people picking on them about trading second round picks. Yeah, you're picking on them, you're gonna pay more for Ramsey than you would have for those two picks. But then you're first also round not, picks, be clear. First yes, round. But but you're still not going to be paying the pay rate for those first round picks either. So you're getting you're getting one definite guy who you believe is worth paying, and but you're also not having to worry about the expenses that come with the rising contract of that first round pick that you did pass up. That you did yeah, and the, the the only benefit of the first round pick obviously is on paper to grab more quote unquote elite talent basically you're just drafting guys that other people think are better than the other guys but at the end of the day you know, the only thing you're losing is that fifth year option other than that who cares dude and like go go back and look at the last 10 years of first round picks go look at all 32 players and come back with a percentage of how many of those players were a bust i'm going to tell you right now it's much higher than you think and you're going to go back and look at them all and go oh man i'm good <laughs> there's a lot of garbage yeah i'm going to do that for next show just for giggles i'm talking like, about every team not just the rams all 32 players that were drafted in the first round i'm going to do it 10 years back. well i'm going to go back sooner because i don't have that kind of time i'm going to go back five, five. Years. Yeah, five, five years. years okay. fine. I'll go back to the draft five years ago. Okay. So, yeah. folks, this is going to wind up being the longest Rams Talk podcast in our history. And that includes over the draft, the, the draft podcast. So, basically, I'm saying I'm tired. <laughs> so, it's time to go. But hopefully, the end of the show brings together the idea that they're not sunk, they're not done. They are right there, closer than we think they are. They got to manage things right, but they're not trapped. They're definitely not trapped. Any final thoughts, Tommy? I just want to say, you know, everybody have a happy Thanksgiving and, and safe holiday and enjoy your family. And, and, and as far as the Rams are concerned, just just relax. We got so much talent, and we just need to adjust a few things as far as coaching and delegating. Look, we're having a down year. But they're building something. We just have to be patient. I know it's been a long road because the Rams have been historically bad. But let's just let's temper it a little bit. Next week we'll talk about Goff and what we think about him and whatnot. But I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving from our family to yours as well. And just to kind of finish off what he's saying there, we're talking about the future, the general manager, what they're going to do. Is Les Snead going to be on the hot seat this offseason? Probably a little bit. He probably should be. There were some mistakes made. However, overall, look at his body of work, and there's a lot more good than bad. And because of that, because of what he's been able to do, and basically helping make this team a contender, I think it's a little early to say, you know, let's throw the, the baby out of the bathwater. All right. It is time to go. Our hour is nigh. Folks, you can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Tommy at Ram Tommy in LA. You can find Rams Talk in general at Talk Rams. Uh, we've been very active on social media of late, so come talk with us. Our Facebook group is facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. We also have the Rams Talk room group where we sit in there and socialize. 
You can find us on Apple Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all those places. And now for the entire team here for our longest podcast ever. Dun-dun-dun. This is Derek C. Apollo saying, take it easy. We are out. Recruiters, reduce your cost per candidate by about 50% with CareerBuilder. We connect you to qualified, diverse candidates at every stage of the hiring funnel. CareerBuilder Talent Acquisition Suite. Software packed with talent. Visit hiring.careerbuilder.com forward slash recruit. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.